as, as we talked about last week, um, there are some sermons that have to do with biblical knowledge, uh, seeing how the threat through the scriptures. And then there's other scriptures that have to do with application, immediate application, where that if you hear the message, when you walk out of here, you can be a changed person. If you just would heed the, the word of the Lord. And so uh, last, week, last week we talked about don't be anxious for nothing. Don't be anxious for anything or be anxious for nothing, whichever way you want to say it. Um, you get the message. And then we, we talked to you about certain things and then we gave you the, the, the recipe for not being anxious. Um, and so today we're going to talk about the title is Blessed are the Peacemakers. And it is my belief by experience, limited as it is, that... Christians have not really taken what is available to them in the walk of contentment and peace and relationships in the way that they should walk because they have failed to be peacemakers. Well, that's what we want to talk about uh, today. A brother called me, a brother from the past called me this week and wanted to talk. And uh, I spent a lot of time with him. He's much younger than I am. And he was a fairly young believer. And you, you know about teenagers? Teen- you have some? What is one characteristic of teenagers? Ah, so if I say that, what, what that? They know it all. Well, this brother was a teenager in the Lord. And so, anyways, I, I loved him and we talked a lot and so. And, and this week, he called, he says, that his pastor is doing a series through the Beatitudes. And this Sunday, this very Sunday, this very Sunday, uh, he is preaching upon the pastor's request. He is preaching on blessed are the peacemakers. And he says, uh, Kenny, you have always told me that one of your gifts is the gift of peacemaking. And I want to pick your brain for some ideas that I might apply to my sermon on Sunday morning. And as I was talking with him, boom, just like that, I felt the Lord saying, this is what you need to talk about on Sunday. Uh, Because though you may have heard some of it already, It was clear that the Lord said to me, people need to hear it again and again and again because peacemaking is not natural. Peacemaking is supernatural. And a supernatural desire and a supernatural power that God wants us to exercise so that our relationships can be wonderful and our relationships can be good. Best it is possible. Now, if I want to be a brother to Sister Cherie over here, but Cherie, ah, she wasn't, doesn't want uh, 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 anything uh, 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 with me, then, then I, I cannot force that relationship. Uh, 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 if there's something between us, I, I cannot force peace, but I'm going to do my part 
in making peace in this relationship. And then if it works, okay, then now there's a good relationship. If it doesn't work, and she's not interested in have, having peace with her brother, then we don't have a good relationship. But we're going to talk about some of these things. Uh, what I've seen happen in so many Christian lives, and we're talking about Christians today, okay? We're not talking about non-Christians. Uh, they don't know much about peacemaking. And so, uh, yes, they need to hear this message also, but it is to Christians that Jesus is teaching this, to his followers uh, about making peace. And so what has happened is often, because of the lack of peacemaking, often a root of bitterness has sprung up and causes many people to, uh, to be defiled by it. There is a, uh, a spiritual lack in their lives because of the lack of peace. And uh, whether it is, you know, parents or children, or parents to parents and children to children, and brothers to brothers and sisters to sisters, it doesn't make any difference. Uh, a lot of that is taking place. And so, uh, talking to Christians here, Jesus is speaking, and Paul is speaking, and I am agreeing with them, and he's speaking to the folks that are, here today, that are here today. So let me make some comments about peacemaking, then I go about uh, the rest of the, the message. First of all, I want you to know that peacemaking is not fair. The truth of the matter is, it is actually unfair. But it is about obedience. Peacemaking is not about whether I'm right or he is wrong or he is right and I'm wrong. It is about peacemaking. We'll get to that. Peacemaking is not a one-time action or act. It is who you are, a peacemaker. It is about your life's consistency. Thirdly, peacemaking requires humility and often forgiveness. And so people who refuse to make peace is primarily because of their pride in their heart. And you're not going to make peace because you thought you were right and they were wrong. And by golly, nobody's going to talk to me like that, and so on and so forth. Uh, fourthly, peacemaking might cost you. You as the peacemaker. You might be misunderstood. People might say to you, it's none of your business. You might be rejected. There's a cost. Ask Jesus about the cost. It cost him his life to make peace between us and God and God in us, the Father. Peacemaking is different than peace-loving. Peacemakers stick out their neck for the sake of peace. Peace-lovers hold a banner about peace. Uh, sixthly, take the initiative and don't delay about making peace. Take the initiative... And don't delay about making peace. 
You are called to make peace. The ministry of reconciliation God has given to you. We'll talk about that some more. Uh, as I always say, always extend an olive branch. And always accept an olive branch. Always. The fact that you have to accept an olive branch is because you were not the first one to extend it. Somebody extended it to you. So then you responded and you accepted it. But when somebody extends an olive branch to you and, do, and you don't receive it, you don't accept it, you do one more, one more harm in the relationship. When another person has humbled themselves to come make peace with you and you don't accept the olive branch. Um, it sets you back. Aidly, in some cases, or in general, but certainly when it comes to peacemaking, be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. When you're angry, there is nothing about righteousness that will happen. Yes. So, let's turn to Matthew 5, verse 9. Matthew 5, verse 9. This is one of my favorite verses um, for this reason, that it speaks about peacemaking. And, but there's something more to it than that. Peacemaking. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called The sons of God. The children is not the right translation. I'll explain it to you. Uh, shall I explain to, I'll explain it to you now? Uh, there is two words in the Greek language that have to do with children or sons and daughters. One word is technon that has to do with young ones, those new believers those who have been recently converted, for the most part in the New Testament, that is so. So when it talks about blessed are the peacemakers, do you think that a peacemaker is a, a, a more mature one or a new convert? More mature, by, by, by a mile, easily. So then somewhere else it talks about... Uh, All who receive him, God gives power to become the children of God. Sometimes people translate it the sons of God. And even all who believe on his name, who were born not of blood, not of the flesh, not of the will of man, but born of God. Does that have to do with conversion or with a mature Christian? Born of God. You're just born of God. It's just to talk to a new birth. So you're a brand new convert. So there, if it is translated, he gave power to become the sons of God. This is true. He has given them a power to be sons of God because children ultimately are going to become sons. But that's not what it's saying over there. It has that to do with the new birth. So the word technon is used over there and should be translated children. The word that is used over here is huios. H-U-I-S. H-U-I-O-S. Huios. And that has to do with more mature ones. Um, those who are the 
sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. Okay? That is the word huios, because it takes a mature Christian who is uh, 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 consistently led by the Spirit of God. Are you with me? So here, a peacemaker, the word children, is not the best translation. It should be the sons of God. And that is a big deal because this is, when you are a peacemaker, this is how people see you. When they see you in action, they say, they recognize you visibly in a conspicuous way. They say, there goes a son of God. He, he, he reminds me of Jesus. Jesus is a peacemaker. So it stands to reason that his brothers and sisters are going to be peacemakers. So people will call you the sons slash daughters of God. My dear brothers and sisters, I cannot think of a greater compliment in, 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 in all of, 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 of English than that somebody calls me, that goes the Son of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. There goes a Son of God. Peacemaking is one of the attributes of God. Right in the center of His will. And when people see or experience a peacemaker, there is a heavenly attraction to people, to other people, to people that you're ministering to, or people that maybe have held you on a distance. But there is a heavenly attraction because of the fact that you're always about peacemaking, even the very person that you're just talking to now who has held you on a distance because they didn't want anything to do with you. Little by little, there is a heavenly attraction that takes place. Um, peacemaking, and this is important, is not a one-time try. Well, I tried. And they didn't want anything to do with peace, so I just split and let it go. And when they're ready for it, you know, I'll, 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 I'll sort of be ready for it. Or maybe I won't be ready for it. Let them stink in it or whatever. That's sometimes the attitude. But peacemaking is not a one-time try. It is who you are. You are a peacemaker. It is always with you about peace. It is always about restoration and reconciliation of relationships. Of not only you with other people, but you facilitating peace between other people. As a third party, sort of like. So there is, there is a, sometimes in the peacemaking a third party involved. Uh, when, when I counsel with a couple, it is I'm the third party. And they are the ones that I'm trying to bring together. And that is a normal happening for me. But then sometimes I maybe, maybe I have offended somebody. Do you offend people? Sometimes not even meaning to. 
But if you know that this is so, then if you're a peacemaker, you're making those steps to peace. You cannot just sit back. It's, it's vitally important that the body of Christ is the body of Christ. That brothers and sisters, they get along. They are at peace with one another. So, uh, a third party, sometimes it's just two people. Um, and if I'm not willing to make peace, I basically I basically have very little message to share. Because if people cannot see Christ in me, if people cannot see one of the great attributes of Christ in me, what message do I have when I am hesitant or not willing to make peace? Especially when somebody is trying to get me to make peace. I say, ah, no, I'm too hurt. No, they've said too many bad things, whatever it may be. Uh, So, peacemaking then is a lifestyle. It is part of who you are. And you will discover that opportunities will come your way to encourage other people, to restore marriage, to restore families, to bring brothers and sisters together. And often even bringing churches together. Often even bringing pastors together. And those who are willing to be reconciled and to reconcile because of obedience. Jesus himself says that you shall be called a son of God or a daughter of God. If you are not willing, no one can help you. I certainly can't. I am not sure that God can. I'm not sure theologically where that goes. If you are not willing, uh, let us look at Romans 12, 18. We look at a few verses to make some points. The point here is that you shall be called a son or daughter of God, which is a, a huge name, a huge designation, a, the greatest compliment that I could ever think of. Here in Romans 12, 18, Romans 12, 18, it says, if it is, the NIV says it like this, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, this needs a little bit of clarification because... Let us say we have an issue over here. Lena have an issue. And so there's two people involved. And the Bible speaks to me, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. 
The Bible is not questioning or putting in question that it would be possible with me. It is expected and presumed that it is possible with me. Because I'm a peacemaker. It is always possible with me. This is not in question. The question is, is it possible with him? Because it speaks to me directly, right? The scripture, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So it is presumed that it is possible with me as a Christian. That it is always possible, and I'm always looking to have peace and make peace and establish peace between people or, and, or me and, and, and somebody else. So it is possible with me. That is the question. And if it's possible with him, there will be peace. Because it's always possible with me. So I make the steps. If, as far as it depends on me, there will always be peace if it depends on me. Because it's always possible with me. Are you following me? But I think that so often there is a breakdown in relationship because whatever. I got my feelings hurt. Let me play my little violin for you. And you know what, brothers and sisters? We get our feelings hurt over nothing. Nothing. Well, my wife, she put the toilet roll uh, upside down. I like it to come from the top. And when she put it from the bottom, we should cut the house in two so she can live there and I can live here. Nonsensical things. And churches, they split over nothing. Well, we want the piano there. Well, we want a piano there. See, over here we have a piano there and a piano there. No problem. <laughs> See what I'm saying? If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, it is presuming there that you would make steps toward peace. Because it's always possible to, with you. You make steps toward peace with, with other people. Or make steps toward peace between other people. I have another scripture for you. Let me see if I'm done with this one. Yes. Okay. We're looking at now at Second Corinthians 5. 18 and 19. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19. As I always say, always extend an olive branch. Always accept an olive branch. Okay? Uh, before I go on with the next scripture, let me just see, let me just ask a question. What would an olive branch look to you like? Let us say, can I, ask, can I ask somebody in specific or it would be too personal? You don't have to get personal there, but I mean, you, what, what, in general. Cup of tea. <laughs> that would be my olive branch, for, for example. You know, um, let us say I had a spat with my wife. 
And uh, she is extending an olive branch to my shame because I should be the first one to extend an olive branch, yes? But she extends an olive branch. I always accept it. Always. No exceptions. So, in my case, it might be a cup of hot tea. I love hot tea. And she knows it. So she said, honey, would you like a cup of hot tea? No, keep your hot tea. I don't want your hot tea. We blew the whole thing right there. I just did so much damage instead of accepting it. And you know what? I'll accept it. Even if I had just had 15 cups of tea, I would accept it. Because she is extending an olive branch, I will always accept it. Lest I basically put her down and have greater rejection yet for her. What kind of husband am I to hurt my wife like that? We're already having a spat, and I'll put her down one more time. It's nonsense. It's already to my shame that she has to extend the olive branch <laughs> instead of me being the first one to do it. And of course, if she extends it, oh, yes, honey, I would love a cup of tea. Hallelujah. Yes. So, whatever the olive branch looks like in your life, accept it. Whatever olive branch that you need to extend to somebody else, extend it. Now we're looking at 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19. Briefly, briefly, and I, I, I hope to be short, but I, I, you know, you never know. And all things are of God, who had reconciled. This is peacemaking we're talking here. Reconciled us to himself. By Jesus Christ. This is what God did for us. He has reconciled us to himself. The Father has reconciled us to himself through his Son. You say, well, it costs his Son a lot. Have you ever thought about what it cost the Father? It's, it's a greater cost to the Father, I think, sometimes. In my life, it would be, I'd rather, I rather do it myself. But in, in the mind of God, it is a greater sacrifice to sacrifice His Son. So that he can show us his love for us. And his son did never anything wrong. Never has done anything wrong. And he pays the price for us. And had given to us. Check it out now. He has reconciled us to himself. And has given unto us the ministry of reconciliation. He didn't say he has given to Joyce or to Paul, or to Ron, or to Mildred, or to... He's given all of us the ministry of reconciliation. We cannot ever excuse the idea of, well, <laughs> you know, the ministry of reconciliation. That is not my gift. He's given it to all of us. And yes, it is true that in the ministry of reconciliation, like in other, every other ministry... There is growing and there is maturity that needs to happen, yes? You, you might be young 
in the ministry of reconciliation. If you're a fairly new believer, you're going to be young in the ministry of reconciliation. But you hopefully you grow in it, and you, you grow in wisdom, and so on and so forth. He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So this is what we do. This is who we are. He has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. How about 19? To wait that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Not imputing the trespasses unto them and had committed unto us the word of reconciliation. So if you find yourself desperate for a word as you are trying to reconcile or reconcile a situation or reconcile yourself to somebody else or somebody else to somebody else, then he has given you also the word for it. You are not left on your own. He's given to us the word of reconciliation. And there is many words in the scriptures that you would use to bring reconciliation. He's given it and left us not without. Always extend an olive branch and always accept an olive branch. Now we're looking at 2 Corinthians 5.21. A similar situation. But find here. For he had made him. That is, who is this? Uh, him. This is the father. Had made Jesus to be sin for us. The little word for over here. Means in our place. A substitution. An exchange took place. A substitute that we should be in trouble. He took the trouble on himself so that we could be out of trouble. That we could be free. That we might be made the righteousness of God. He, God made him, the Father made him to be sin so that the sinners could become saints. The Son of of God became the Son of Man so that the sons of man might become the sons of God. My brothers and sisters, now, in my mind, it goes like this. Okay? How far do I need to move? To reconcile with my sister. Am I willing to go across the aisle to reconcile with my sister? When Jesus came from heaven to earth to reconcile us to the Father. How far does he go to bring reconciliations uh, to bear for us? How far does he go to reconcile us to the Father? That it won't be, be, be be peace between us. How far am I willing to go, sister? To make peace. Oh, we won't even go across the room. Sorry, sister. We won't even go across the room to make peace. Across the street. Across town. Across the sanctuary.
for us to have somebody reconciled to us, we want them to pay the price when Jesus paid the price for us. Hey, you know what? Unless you don't crawl on your knees over there and down the street and you have, and you have bloody knees, I'm not interested in reconciling. It should be any chance you have, any opportunity. You're looking for an open window, an open door. They have been, they have been hesitant so far. They, they didn't want anything to do with you because they, they have your... But you're looking for an opportunity because it won't always be like that. At some point, he might be willing to open the door for reconciliation. But dear brothers and sisters, this happens... In opt-in marriages. Opt-in marriages. That a husband cannot even say a word of reconciliation. He cannot even say, I'm sorry. Watch out there, Herman. <laughs> but you know, praise God. <laughs> praise God. Herman and I, we've had our conversations also. Yes, he's, uh, he's part of our flock. So if there is a, a, a situation between them, I'm talking to Herman. Am I talking to Herman? Just like that. Well, and this is not a shame. There's always issues. But he, he is willing. Herman, I can't do anything about it tonight. But I'm your pastor, and I'm asking you right now, tonight, you're going to be kind and you're going to be nice. Tomorrow we'll talk. Can you do that? Yes, pastor, I can. Done. I'm not telling on him. There's nothing new. I could tell on. Ain't no man is perfect. And that's the point. So therefore, we need, sometimes we need a little bit of help. And I'm your pastor. So I'm the first one there to help. I'm not saying, well, Herman, <laughs> you sleep in the bed you made, brother, I tell you. <laughs> Everybody needs to learn a lesson sometimes. You're on your own, my friend. Oh, no. I want it to be peace. And he knows it. And people know it. I'm not for him or for her. I'm for them. I'm for peace. That's what's all about peace. Do I get excited? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is exciting to me. Um, so, the first point that I made, I told you I have some points that I, want you to, that I want you to know about, about peacemaking. The first point that I made is that it is not fair. It is not fair. Making peace has nothing to do with fair or not fair. For the most part, it is not fair. Even as, if Keith would have hurt me, he doesn't hurt me, okay? This is, 
strictly hypothetical. Even if Keith would have heard me, he is wrong, and maybe let's say I was right. Has nothing to do with it. I have to make as a peacemaker, I make the steps toward peace. I won't tell on you. I won't tell on you. Don't worry, Don't worry about it. I, 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 I'm not telling on anybody. I, these, are, these are people that I love. And that God has put me in charge of. And before God, I'm responsible for you in some way. I can't just sit back. Things need to be right. Things need to be right. And that is so much the crux of the deal. Is that so many people, if it is not fair, they're, they're out of it. When you tell me if it was fair... For Jesus to have to pay the price for us. Is that fair? So it's not about fairness, my brothers and sisters. It's about just doing it. Doing it out of obedience. And see how God is going to bless your life. Bless your marriage. Bless your relationships with your children or otherwise. With your brothers and sisters. With your family. Other family issues. Well, let somebody die and there'll be some money in the family. You know, all I wanted, if my brothers and sisters would let me, is to have, I already had my mother's ring. Her hands were swollen. She couldn't wear her ring anymore. But she could wear my father's ring. So we wore, she wore my father's ring and gave me her ring. I had it on my, on my chain here. And all I wanted, hey, if you guys would allow me, I would love to, when my mother died, I'd love to have the other ring, my father's ring. So I have them both here on my neck with a cross in between. That's all I wanted. And if it was not possible, no problemo. Maybe my brother should have it. That's not a problem. But if, if they saw fit that I could have that, and th- not necessarily anything else, though there was uh, well, a little bit of money, less than $1,000, $1,000, then that was fine. But let's not, let's not fight over stuff that is worthless, ultimately. Um, so that is the difficulty, is people, if they don't think it's fair, they're out of it. My brothers and sisters, when it is not fair, that is when it counts to be a peacemaker. If you're truly a peacemaker, that is when it counts. That's when it counts. So I want to encourage you to always extend an olive branch and always accept an olive branch. Don't get stuck. Uh, on that thing of fairness or not fairness. Let us look at Matthew. I think maybe this, uh, what time do we have? This might be our last one. 
It will, this will be on us. <laughs> we look at it real quick. Matthew 5, 23 and 24. Matthew 5, 23 and 24. Check this out. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, you, 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 you are bringing a gift. You are doing some religious activity. You, you, you're acting like a holy person. And, but, and there, at the altar, you remember that your brother had something against you. Yes? You see the scenario? I'm coming to the altar, and I'm bringing my... Oh! Oh, I remember someone had something against me. He says, 24, says this. Leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First, be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. There is a firstness about reconciliation. There is a priority about reconciliation. A firstness. First, go settle the matter with your brother. First, let this thing be right. Because otherwise, this thing is not even right. I'm saved, but I'm not right. He wants that I make it right with him. Then I can come to him. So, the point of this, these two verses is, when you know that somebody has something against you, there is a, there is a spat. Sister Kara has something against me. She would never, this is just 100% hypothetical, because I've known, how many years have we known each other? 30 years? Plus, at least 30 years. And... Never has there been a spat or anything like that. Uh, but if there was, then what that scripture says, first, in priority, go settle the matter. And then come to your religious duty. First, there is a priority here, brothers and sisters, to reconcile with your brother or sister. You know, the scriptures are always talking about brother and he and stuff like that. But it, it includes the sisters. Yes, we are agreeing with that. So, uh, so, first, go do that. And there must be a priority in my mind to first, you know, I, I, when I used to teach Sunday school at a, 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 another church, Husband and wife would walk in. It was a couple's class. They would walk in Sunday school. And I look in the eyes of the wife. And I'm thinking, oh, she's had a bad week. I look in the, wife, the other eye, uh, the, the eyes of another wife. Ah, oh, she had a good week. You know, part of the reason why churches are not as jubilant as they ought to be, is because right there in the pews, there is tension between husband and wife. There's not the cozy, move over just a little bit, sister. There's not the cozy, leaning like this, and, and so on and so forth. There is more like, <laughs> I 
you know. Well, that can happen. That is life, yes. I'm not griping about that. I'm just saying, if this is going on on a continuous basis, your church going, there's no excitement about it whatsoever. You're just going to church, hoping that something will happen. Well, reconcile with your wife and see if nothing happens. And all of a sudden, people are not standing like this, singing the song. <sighs> hoping that the wife will make the first move and hoping that the husband will make the first move, but nobody makes a move. And then all of a sudden, things are reconciled and there is joy. a whole different atmosphere in the church. And this is what God wants in His church, among His people. An excitement. A, a peace. So, always extend an olive branch. And always accept an olive branch. A couple more comments, then I'm done. Peacemaking is like turning off the flow of a poisonous gas and replacing it with the flow of oxygen. Peacemaking is like turning off the flow of a poisonous gas. It won't kill you all at once, but little by little, it does its work. And replacing it with a flow of oxygen. I just thought I'd come up with a, a picture for you. I, I don't know if that's a good picture or not. Reconciliation is like the ship of relationship heading for the horizon. It was heading for the horizon where it's out of sight, but it's turning around and coming back because of reconciliation. It was going that way. Reconciliation is bringing that ship of relationship back to you. That, ah... At first, you thought the relationship was gone. Fuchi. Gone. Se fue. Verdwena. And then, there's reconciliation. And that ship is returning and coming back. And there is the relationship. Full-blown. Back to you. Brothers and sisters... Be peacemakers. Be peacemakers. And save many relationships out there as well as your own. You shall be called the sons and daughters of God. Because that is what they do.